Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders! Go, food needs refill! Harbon Sports, the bar, podcast, audio, media, or radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harpon Sports on all your platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. There you go. Podcast available as well. Spotify, Buzzsprout, and Apple Podcasts. And of course, as always, you can hit us up at HarponSports.com. What do we have? A little college football crossroads. Big changes. What, 25 head coaching positions out of 130 programs? It's a lot. That's a lot. When you're talking about 20% of the coaches replaced, the NFL sees what? 20 to 25%? So it's on par with the NFL. That's the demand of winning. That's the demand. That's the price tag. So we're going to look at that. Also, tell you what's going to happen conference championship-wise and college football playoff predictions and a little MLB, Major League Baseball, breakup as the lockout is in full effect. Okay, got my Notre Dame garb on today. I think Notre Dame is going to make the playoff. I'm going to tell you how coming up here momentarily. It's really not that complicated, and they just really need one upset. So... I was sitting here thinking about all the chaos that we've had. And, you know, a week ago, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC was shocking news. Oh, my gosh, how did this happen? You blink your eye and Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame after winning, what, 54 games in five years or whatever he's won. And everybody's shocked a little bit, surprised. You throw enough money and enough guaranteed money and somebody looks around and says, I I want to achieve a little bit more. He obviously felt that he couldn't win a – national championship at Notre Dame, and that's why he's leaving. Plus, he can make about 120 million bucks when it's all said and done. So, there you go. Has a lot to do with it. A lot to do with it. Coach, until you're 70, set up generation after generation. Plus, in the back of his mind, too, I can see why he did it. I can't. In the back of his mind is, I get the playoff again, and Georgia skunks me 30 to 10. Uh, <laughs> no, people are going to say, Brian Kelly can't win big games. So I get why I did it. I did. Now people say, well, look, there's a better way you could have handled it. Well, maybe. He was trying to fly back to South Bend to tell everybody, and it leaked through LSU. What are you supposed to do about that? So I have a plan. Before I get to all the movement and the coaches and good hire, I think USC nailed it. I think they absolutely drilled it because you can't have it both ways. People saying, and this is where the Brian Kelly thing comes into effect, you, got, you have a guy that's averaging 10 wins a year. He's going to have to recruit and do things a little bit differently. He got handed the keys to Ferrari in Oklahoma. He doesn't have a Ferrari out there. He's got to rebuild this sucker. But he can sit around and say, hey, look, Jalen Hurts did a nice job for me, didn't he? Yeah, Kyler Murray did a nice job for me, didn't he? Baker Mayfield won in the Heisman. Who wants to come here and play quarterback at USC? It worked again and again and again. And we know USC is Heisman U, right? It was before Oklahoma. Wasn't it Carson Palmer, Liner? Mark Sanchez had a decent little NFL run, didn't he? So, look, I understand that one. People say he's afraid of the SEC. He's afraid of the SEC. It's ridiculous. Afraid of the SEC. Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame to go to LSU, and I hear, well, he left Notre Dame because it's going to be, he wants to win a national championship, and he'll be able to do that in the SEC. Wait a second here. So the SEC is too hard for Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. But Brian Kelly coming to the SEC, it's going to be easier for him to win a national championship? Is the SEC easy or not? Lincoln Riley's afraid because it's so tough. Brian Kelly's coming here because it's going to be easier for him to win a title. Make up your mind. Pick one or the other. I'm okay with either narrative. But you can't have them both. you got to stick with one. I do 
as I said, understand where Brian Kelly was coming from. Well, there's a better way to do it. There's no good way to break up. They were breaking up. Why? I, I'm just not feeling it. Oh, okay. I've got somebody better. Well, you owe me more than this. It, it, there's just no good way to do it. There isn't. And then the stories come out, and people are piling on a little bit. The Robert Sala story about how he invited him when he was a grad assistant at Central Michigan to a Christmas party and ended up making him park cars. That's if that's true, that's terrible. And then he was introduced Thursday night. An LSU basketball game spoke to the fans, got a little bit of a southern accent. It's like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do, oh, no, you can't, uh-uh. Ed Orgeron had it. You can't fake that. They'll sniff that out in a heartbeat there in Bayou country. So, look, it's everybody's piling on Brian Kelly and this and, you know, the past and what, what he was doing and what he hasn't done. I'm not going to pile on him. I, I think he took Notre Dame to a level where they are. I don't think he could take them to the next level. It's gonna have to be. It's gonna have to be a full-fledged, full-on recruiting monster that can do that. Then they have that with Marcus Freeman. How many people have decommitted since Brian Kelly left? I think that's the big thing that people forget. That's a big thing. How many people have decommitted from Notre Dame since Brian Kelly left? I think one guy was on the fence and withdrew a little bit. How many decommitments have they had? Oklahoma had a bunch of them. Some of them went with Lincoln Riley to USC. Some of them Dom decommitting. When Dan Mullen was fired from Florida after this atrocious year, people are decommitting left and right. Miami's only got eight commits, and they still have their head coach. Miami's a mess, by the way. So you have all these commitments and decommitments and all this movement. And I sit here and I look at this and I say, wait a second here. Coaches are leaving. Coaches are getting fired. Coaches are quitting. Decommitment. Notre Dame loses their head coach, and they don't lose anything. Their recruiting ranking stays the same testament to the young men that they're recruiting also if marcus freeman is the is the number one recruiter tommy reese i'm I'm, you know i'm looking at guys tommy reese flying the jet private jet going trying to recruit i get it right now is the time to strike if you're notre dame because it looks like a solid internal family and i never thought i would ever say this but notre dame now is the underdog they've been the underdog but they're the underdog morally when's the last time notre dame was the underdog morally not too often they are. It's like, man, they got trounced. They got, oh, look what happened to him. Look what Brian Kelly did. I want to see him win just to stick it to him. When's the last time you had everybody looked at Notre Dame and let's say felt sorry for him, but we're rooting for them. It's like Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. Mickey Mantle's the underdog. It's like, well, this monster is the underdog monster. You mean Goliath, this guy that's always on top is the underdog. Whoa, this is different. This is different. LeBron James, when Golden State had 70, was it 73 wins that year? 73 and 9. LeBron was the underdog. LeBron can't pull this off. Can he, can he? LeBron became the underdog. So that's where they are with that with Notre Dame. So with all that aside, people are furious about coaches bailing and the mess that they have with, (laughs) in the middle of the night, coaches quitting on their players and people, oh, it's business is normal. And everybody complains about it, but nobody offers a solution. I have a solution. From conference championship Saturday until the end of the college football playoff, blackout when it comes to college football. What I mean by that is no recruiting, no contact with recruits. You can fire a coach, can't hire one. A blackout. The NFL does it. The NFL does it in the postseason. Complete blackout. You can't hire coaches. You have to leave it alone. Like Super Bowl week, you have you can't touch anything Super Bowl week. You can't touch it. Well, Seth, you can't do that. Why can't you? You push recruiting in National Signing National Signing Day was always the week before the Super Bowl, right? 
If you completely black everything out and you can't talk to recruits the whole month of December, this early signing period was absolutely asinine and dumb. And I said it. Oh, the coaches love it. The coaches love it so they can force feed a good recruiting class, in theory, in boosters' faces so the boosters don't pay for them to get fired. There was no, there no, the reason for the early signing period was for coaches to save their own ass. Period. That's why. That's why they did it. So what I would do is I'd black out the month of December. You can fire coaches. You can't hire any coaches. Once the college football playoff is over, have at it. We catch you doing it, we're going to give you a one-year bowl ban. We catch you talking to a recruit. Every recruit you talk to that's one scholarship, that's taken away. But see, what happens here is everybody bitched and moaned about the NCAA long enough that the NCAA is impotent now and has no backing. Nobody believes in them, so they can't enforce anything. It's like a banana republic. You know, everybody is ridiculous. Well, defund the police. Defund the police. That's ridiculous. Well, it's the same thing here. Defund the police collegiately was strip the NCAA of their power. Well, they don't have any now. Wild West. Everybody hates it, but nobody has a solution. I hate it when people complain without solutions. If you don't have a solution, I don't want to hear it. I, this is awful. What's your solution? They shouldn't do it. It's not a solution. Blackout the month of December. National Signing Day is the second week of February. Can't talk to recruits the whole month of December. That's how you stop this. That's how you stop it. Well, we need the early signing period. For what? Well, you recruit normally in December. Well, we're going to take that away. Well, well, what? Look, things shift all the time. They move around. Seasons shift. Until we added the leap year, December it, it could. December was in the summer, and it, the heat debate based on the axis of the Earth and the tilt of the Earth. You stop it. It's, oh, we got to change. No, 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 no. We're good. Leave it alone. What I mean by leave it alone is... Leave the month of December alone. Black it out. Here's your solution. All right. College football playoff. I'm going through this and looking at it. And I've got my predictions. Tell you what's going to happen. I I jotted some things down. So just bear with me here when we look at these things. Um, We're going to start off with the Pac-12 championship. Oregon and Utah. Tough to beat a team multiple times. Tough to beat them multiple times in a couple of weeks. Remember a couple years ago, Auburn beat Georgia. And then turned around and they played each other again in the SEC championship game and Georgia drilled them. It's tough to beat a team twice in a, in a month. It just really, really is. Especially in this sport. Because you learn and you took the blow and you're able to find the nooks and crannies. So Utah's a two and a half point favorite. When I saw that Utah is only a two and a half point favorite despite winning by 30 points a couple weeks ago, when Vegas does that, this game is in Vegas, boom, the light bulb goes off on my head. And Anthony Brown going able to go into Ohio State and win early in the year. Things have changed a little bit. I think Oregon was embarrassed. I think the Miami mess, they can't get things figured out, so it helps Oregon a little bit because the Mario Crystal Ball leaving to go there, it doesn't even. it's not even close to a discussion yet because of how big of a mess Miami is. I, I take the two and a half, and I think Oregon knocks off Utah. I like Oregon to beat Utah 28-24. to 24. Oregon's headed to the Rose Bowl. Oregon will beat Utah. Take them in the points. Next up, I think here's your upset. I think Baylor beats Oklahoma State. Baylor lost to Oklahoma State early in the year there. They lost there. And you watch this Oklahoma State team and what they did against Oklahoma, Bedlam, to win that game. Now they've got to get back up. And Alabama's going to have that problem. Now they have to get back up. Come from, come from behind win in the fourth quarter at home. they got to get back up. The game is in Arlington, so Baylor will travel. And to me, one of the big things, and I looked this up, Abram Smith, running back from Baylor. For the last five games, 117 yards, 148 yards, 125 yards, 145 yards. This dude averages six and a half yards a carry. 
Abram Smith, running back Baylor, six and a half yards a carry. The fact that the over-under on this is only 46 and a half shows you in the spreads five and a half. They think this thing's looking like 26 to 20. That's low scoring. A 26 to 20 Big 12 game, that's low scoring. That means ball control. I take the five and a half points. I think Baylor knocks off Oklahoma State. Ground control. Uh, intermission, pit and wake. Eh, eh. ACC championship game. This is the last game of the night. Uh, look. And what's interesting about this, everybody talks about how bad this is. A 10 and 2 against a 10 and 2. The team that always comes out of the coastals always sit there at 8 and 4 or 9 and 3. We haven't had a team with this good of a record out of the coastal since, 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 since North Carolina six years ago. So, look, the way I look at this, Pitt, Kenny Pickett, better quarterback. Better quarterback's going to win. Wake, just not, no, not on this stage. I like Pitt to win. So, what's Pitt doing? They win the ACC. They're headed to where? Fiesta, maybe. Looks like it. Headed to the Fiesta. Um, Michigan, Iowa. This is one that has gotten out of control point spread wise. Michigan is now an 11 point favorite. So the money keeps rolling in on Michigan. People think Michigan's going to drill Iowa. I think Michigan's going to beat them. I think Michigan will control the game, but 11 points in a game like this is a lot. It's a lot because Iowa's defense is good enough. And Michigan's offense, I know it lit up Ohio State, but again, they're going to have to get back up after that. And it's going to be tough to get back up after that. These big rivalry games, especially games like that, that that one side's owned the other for so long, it's going to be tough for them to get back up. I think Michigan wins. I've got Michigan winning 24-17. Here's another one, too, with the over and under in a game like this. The over under in this is in the 40s, so they don't think it's going to be high scoring. Michigan's an 11-point favorite, so they're thinking what here? 28-17-ish is what they're thinking. I think Michigan wins 24-17. Um, tickets for this, by the way, are the second most expensive conference championship game at 245 bucks a piece. The cheapest is the Big 12. Big 12, excuse me, the cheapest tickets for a conference championship game is the Pac-12 are 26 bucks each. Cheaper to go to Pac-12 championship game than movies. So those are two pretty good teams in that too. So I think Michigan wins. I said if I had a Heisman vote, I'd vote for Aiden Hutchinson. I, I would. He's the best player in all of college football. But what's going to happen here? Bryce Young's going to win it, even though I think he's going to struggle against Georgia. Why? People can't get past the mindset to vote for a defensive player. They just can't. Aiden Hutchinson should win it. He should have three or four sacks. If he and Kung Su's Iowa, like Kung Su, Colt McCoy, Texas, in the Big 12 championship game, the problem was Nebraska didn't win the game. I think if Aiden Hutchinson has three more sacks and he plays big and maybe a fumble recovery, he's going to have to play out of his mind. And even then, I still don't think he's going to win it because your SEC honks are going to vote for Bryce Young. They just are. And you're not going to have a consolidation of Big Ten people, Aiden Hutchinson, consolidation of Pac-12 people. Somebody's going to look around and go, hey, quarterback, 4,500 yards. Bryce Young's going to win it. Shouldn't, but he's going to. I'd vote for Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Michigan wins 24-17. They're going to the college football playoff. Uh, Georgia's going to beat Bama. Georgia hasn't. What's Georgia? It gave up 83 points all year in Bama. It took them 53 minutes to score against Auburn. You think they're going to move the ball at will on Georgia? Come on. I think this is going to be more competitive than people think. But George is going to win this football game. Spread six and a half. Um, by the way, 24-17 Michigan, that means you take Iowa in the 11. Uh, Alabama is going to lose this one, 24-13 is what I have. So you give, go ahead and give Bama the six and a half. Bryce Young is going to be pedestrian, but it's not going to matter because people are going to vote for him anyway. So George is going to win. 
By the way, the most expensive conference championship game ticket, SEC, 398 bucks just to get in. These are the cheap seats, by the way. Um, there you go. So Michigan wins. They don't cover. Georgia wins. They cover. Oregon wins. Take them in the points. Pitt wins. Give the points. They're going to they're gonna beat Wake by 10 points. So that's what you do in, in, in those instances. So we look around and go, okay, well, what's left? What's it, Georgia, what's left? Oh, Cincinnati. I think this is going to be a great football game. I do. And if it were a neutral site, I'd pick Houston. But it's not a neutral site. It's in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's hosting it. So Cincinnati's hosting the Conference USA, whatever it is, <laughs> American Conference. Look, Cincinnati's hosting the Conference Championship game. So what's going to happen here? Well, what's going to happen here is Cincinnati's going to win because it's at home. Ten and a half points is too salty for me. I will take Houston in the ten and a half. But Cincinnati wins 28-24. Um, Desmond Ripper, you, you, you look at the job that he's done. He's got 900 yards passing. I have nine touchdowns, three picks. The last three weeks, he's upped his game. So, Cincinnati's going to win. So, what's your college football playoff? Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Cincinnati 3, Notre Dame 4. Deal with it. Deal with it. That's what it's going to be. And, you know, we'll do a podcast next week about the Heisman. But that's what it's going to be. People are going to be upset that Notre Dame's in, but what are you going to do? Put two loss Ohio State in, two loss Alabama in? And again, now there's sentiment for Notre Dame, and that's why I'm wearing all my cool stuff tonight. And I've had this hat, by the way, since the seventh grade. How about that? Um, and, you know, naming Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese, you know, full-time offensive coordinator and, and head coach is smart. And it's going to solidify the unit. Uh, by the way, one to wrap with this, Major League Baseball, there's a lockout. Major League Baseball breakup, and... Baseball is, look, this thing's going to get ugly. They're far apart. Players want certain accommodations. Here's just a couple quick things that I would like to see baseball do. Um, no deals beyond seven years. The players are never going to agree that. Unless you peel something back, and this is what I would peel back, no deals longer than seven years. It just cripples teams and it just destroys teams. No deals more than seven years. You put a cap on it. You circle back around and say, all right, players, the minute you're drafted, all right, Five years of control. If it takes you three years to get to the bigs, then we only control you for two. Only five years of control. It's very similar to what the NFL has, right? Four years, and then they have option years in there. So that I'd love to see it. Five years of control, because you go through the minors, and they own you for three more years. Five years of control the minute you're drafted. Team has you. Um, I'd like to see money slotted based on where you go. The number one overall pick can earn this much. The second overall pick can earn this much. Third overall pick can, just like the NFL. Just like the NFL. You got guys signing guys because they can afford them rather than... No, this is what you're slotted as. This is what you're going to make. Guys getting drafted in baseball going back to college. It's ridiculous. So there's that. Uh, DH in both leagues. And that pretty much solves everything. I know baseball wants 14 teams in the playoffs. Yeah, But that's what I would do. DH in both leagues, that's easy. And then I'd peel back around, five years of control, no deals longer than seven years. Players would be like, oh, oh, I want longer deals than 10 years. No, but five years of control, that's how you pull that off. And slots for the draft. That's where I'd start. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, audio, media, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe. Check out harponsports.com. Uh, worked really hard on that site. 
and continue to update it as, as often as we can. I need to get a new article up there tomorrow as well. So there you go. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.